Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to The Money Art, 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 27th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And today's lineup for the show, we have Stephanie Kristen of Windermere Real Estate. Is now the time to downsize your home? Also in studio, we have Michael Pollock of Northwest Premier Brokers. How to succeed as a seller in the current market. And our last guest in studio, Hamilton Gardner of HomeQuest plus Gardner PLLC. Real estate contract breaches and earnest money disputes. Great information and great guest in studio. As always, for more information or to connect with our guests, you can call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at com. And I think we'll start out the show, Keelan, with a little money chat. Sounds good. Money. Money. So, Keelan, what did you want to bring in today for our money chat? You know, you had such a touching thing last week that I didn't want to talk oh. about skydiving, um, which I signed up for for my birthday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, as you know, I had a little bump in the road. So the one time slot that I was going to jump out of this airplane. And, you know, I just want to tell everybody it's one thing to want to do it. But when you actually like sign uh-huh. up and you have like an impending appointment to uh-huh. jump out of an airplane. Uh, it's a little different, you know. It's a I like shock. how you snippet that this is proof that it was canceled because you know what we would have said. Oh, yeah, I, sure, I, it was canceled. There's no way. <laughs> I wasn't taking a picture of that because everybody's like, oh, canceled, huh, buddy? I bet your one time slot, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, it was the one time slot, uh-huh. and, it, and it turned out to be like a beautiful day, yeah. which was a bummer. Uh-huh. Uh, part of me was bummed. Part of me was like, whew. Well, I was, yeah. I was afraid you weren't going to make it into the office on Monday, so I saw that. So I was like, okay, he's coming to work. Yeah. All's I'm good. good. I'm alive. It's all right. <laughs> and all the death jokes weren't funny either that I didn't realize if you tell people you're going to skydive and they're like, oh, you're going to die on Saturday. I'm I like, didn't make Whoa. any of those jokes. Thank you, Tina. Yeah, that's a little you're rough because I was actually, that's actual concern of mine, you know, <laughs> jumping out of a plane at 15,000 feet. Angela but loves you, right? She so does. she really thought this out. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so. But, uh-huh. um, and then I blew out my neat soccer game. Turned out to be yeah. okay. So I had a little sprain LCL, not to affect my. England trip or any of that, so I'm good to good. go. Should be playing good. soon. And we canceled skydiving that we rescheduled mm-hmm. because of it, and it turns out mm-hmm. I might be able to go. 
So uh-huh. we're to be continued. I'm still jumping out of a plane. Yeah. Well, for our regular listeners, if one day Keelan's not here anymore, oh, I see? may not I'm be in the that. mood to <laughs> mention that he didn't make it back from a skydiving trip. Uh, anyways, oh, speaking of that, we actually, in the beginning of May, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, Keelan's been here uh, with me as my co-host for, I don't know, six months uh, March. Oh I my think. God, we're almost a year. It's, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Our engineers going. No, it's been way more than six months. <laughs> yeah. Well, this show's been running for actually ten years, and you know, bringing Keelan in has been so much fun. Having the back and forth, and just really being able to uh, work together with the guests that we have in studio. But I'm going to be taking a, a trip, and normally we would like have to do a recording of the show when I'm the only one. But <laughs> he's going to be the uh, the host slash co-host. So I'm really excited. So anyways, well, what I thought I'd bring in uh, for Men in Chat today is just to talk a little bit about the perception of discounted shops and whether you're talking discounted shops in our arena mortgage, and that's what I'm talking about today, but it could be discounting shops in real estate. It could be discounted shops in a lot of things. And I just want to ask you, have you seen ads on TV of these discounted shops? Or what about online? Have you seen any of those ads, Keelan? I definitely have. You, yeah. see, you see all this sneaky, harp, crazy stuff. A lot, a of, lot of noise in our industry. A lot of, lot, of, lot of advertising. Yeah, magic bullets, right? So if you're listening, bigger is not always cheaper. Because here's the reality. It costs millions and millions of dollars to do those ads. So how do they pay for that marketing? Well, we're all playing from the de- same deck. We all get our money from the same place, from the secondary market that determines the add-ons and the factors of mortgage rates. So offering mortgage services, you get to decide where you want to put your resources. And I'm not saying it's bad to put resources and marketing dollars to get these great million-dollar ads on TV and online because that is a really great strategy. It generates a lot of great business. And the idea when you own a company is to make money for the company so you can have better quality of life for your employees and all of that stuff. But you have to decide where you're going to put your marketing dollars. And some companies put an extreme into marketing marketing leads. Other companies like our company at Gateway Mortgage, which you do not see on commercials or ads online, we put all of our financial resources into our service. It's a high level of team and employees behind the scene that are taking care of business. So what is the risk of lack of high level service? What's the risk to you if you're in the process of purchasing? Well, once I heard a statistic at 30%, I don't have anything to back this up. It was years ago, and I wish I would have kept it, but 30% of mortgages fall through during the closing process. They fall through during the closing process, not because of an inspection, not because of a low appraisal, but specifically in the statistics it said because of financing falling apart after pre-approval. That's another money chat I can bring in because it's going to take too much time today. But the reality is, is discounted service is what causes that. Your client's being passed around for multiple different people throughout the process. I don't know. Do you want to have one mortgage professional that's going to be working and educating through the process? Not available outside of business hours. Well, if you're buying a home and you're getting a loan, you need your mortgage professional to be available and accessible. And your real estate agent, trust me, they want the mortgage professional to be able to uh, do things that they need over the weekend. No advocate through the process. That really comes to um, experience, expertise in the process and really understanding how to structure and not just a call service where somebody's getting paid $250 to close that loan. Uh, policy of not sharing um, information or content, having contact with the partners that are involved in the process, your real estate agent. So it's really important that you can communicate where it's at in the process and what's happening to make sure that that process is working smooth because it's a team activity. Uh, longer, longer closing timelines uh, because if you don't have the staff, you're not going to be able to do the high-level quick closings. By the way, we close in 20 days as long as you as a buyer do what you need to do. Uh, because of the reputation on the street is an issue as well. Now, not to say anything bad about discounted shops or 
my I'm talking today about the perception of discounted shops, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But a uh, discounted shop, there's nothing wrong. You can either buy your clothes at a Target or you can buy your clothes at a department store. It's totally up to you and what you want, higher quality or not higher quality. But the reputation on the street of the discounted or the perception of the discounted shop is not good. So in a com- why? Because of all of these things that I'm listing right here. So in a competitive market, you have to have a mortgage consultant that has a reputation in the local market that they know is going to be able to perform perform at a very high level. Now, again, not to say that there's anything wrong with discounted shops because in every industry you have service and you have um, not as high of service and it's going to be all in the price. But here's what I wanted to bring in. I want to encourage you and challenge you. I'm not going to mention on air, but it is one that does a lot of advertising. I checked our interest rates and we were a quarter percent better interest rate. So the perception of a discounted shop may not necessarily be that because of the millions of dollars that they're spending in this advertising. So just a little thing I wanted to put a shout out. Sometimes we talk about our personal life and money chat. Sometimes we uh, we talk about our mortgage industry because that's what we do and that's where we live a lot of our, spend a lot of our hours. Other times we just like talk about other things. But so today it was about mortgage. Spot on, Tina. Spot yeah. on. Well, thank you so much, Keelan. And on that note, I'm going to take us to commercial. Coming up next in the many hour is now the time to downsize your home. Stephanie Kirsten of Windermere Real Estate right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. As the process of buying and selling real estate becomes increasingly complex, it's important to have a trusted advisor you can rely on. With over 30 years of experience, Stephanie Kristen of Windermere Real Estate consistently uses systems that deliver results. By collaborating with her team of professionals, Stephanie makes the daunting task of buying or selling a home more manageable and worry-free. Her passion for service combined with market knowledge has resulted in hundreds of delighted clients. Hi, this is Stephanie Kristen with Windermere Real Estate. There's a lot of information online today, but how you interpret that information is critical. I help buyers and sellers every day make sense of all that data. I'd love to connect with you and help you reach your goals. Check out my website, sheknowsrealestate.com, or give me a call at 206-200-0222. Thanks so much, and I look forward to talking to you soon. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 27 show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. It is a great day to talk about money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, how to save money so you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Uh, they can answer any questions that you might have. You can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, we have Stephanie Kristen of Windermere Real Estate. Is now the time to downsize your home? Stephanie, thank you so so much for joining us back in studio. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Thanks, Tina. You're welcome. And a little bit about Stephanie. After attending Michigan State University, Stephanie got married, moved to Seattle,
Seattle, where she started a family and her career in real estate. They currently live in Somerset in Bellevue, where Stephanie is an active agent in that community. Stephanie is a managing broker of Windermere and has been selling homes for over 30 years. I'm 25 years behind you. I'm almost a quarter of a century, I say. She is a firm believer in giving back to her community and donates a portion of every one of her sales to causes like Windermere Foundation of Plymouth House Group. Stephanie has helped many long-term homeowners move to a smaller space and simplify their lives. In the Money Hour segment today, Stephanie shares tips on preparing to downsize. Tina, you're five years behind her. You said 25 years. Five years. Oh, so did 30, I say 25? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks yeah. for so, clarifying yeah, that. I mean, that's exactly. a long time in the industry. Yeah, and I'm proud of a quarter of a century I mean, rocking mortgages. That would be behind me, and that's not fair. That <laughs> yeah, just doesn't right. work. Thank you, Keelan. All yes. right. Just got to give you a credit where credit's I, due. I appreciate that. No worries. So is, is now the time to downsize my home? I love that. What an interesting piece. Uh, tell us more about that, Stephanie. Sure. Who are you seeing in the market um, that are really looking to make that move to downsize? Sure. So it's really interesting. I think we're used to seeing a lot of seniors and empty nesters start to think about um, uh, moving, simplifying their lives. But right now, we're also seeing um, other people that are trying to just simplify their lives. Um, so I think I think it's probably part of the whole decluttering movement mm. and the simplifying. Um, so we're seeing some of that. They're looking to be uh, more walkable areas closer in. And so um, it seems like it's a broader um, spectrum of the community anymore. Yeah, and th- things change in what people, what's important to people. And uh, yeah, and especially in our area as well, we have a lot of people that just want to get out in the city. And like you said, uh, walkable score and right. uh, all of that stuff. So Stephanie, what other trends do you see in the clients that are downsizing? Yeah, so I think it's just like you said, there's that group that's looking for um, the the walk score, the um, also access to um Metro and uh, mass transit, which we have a lot um, developing right now in the Bellevue area with light rail going in. Um, so we see that as a segment. And then also that are people that are looking for maybe condos, ramblers, one size living uh, or one level living. And then um, we still have that group that are looking for the assisted living, uh, independent living um, kind of places. And, you know, also it's kind of being willing to sacrifice space for lifestyle, sacrificing space for better commute. So, um, or some trends that we see as well, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, and there are people that want to get out of the city. They've been here for, um, you know, 30 years plus. And so the other place, you know, where we're seeing is people... um, you know, fed up with the traffic and so yes. wanting to, to get out a little bit more as well. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever like purged? It's so satisfying. I Making your life simple. I don't simple, need to. I'm, right? not a, I'm not a hold on person at all. I, yeah, your email mm-hmm. is crazy. You don't even have a single email in her inbox. She's got like, the uh, cleanest computer I, you've ever yeah. seen. There's like everything so. Well, I, am a, I am an efficiency coach, so I know <laughs> yeah. I know how to do my uh, do my stuff. Yeah, well, crazy and, efficiency. But there's something to be said about getting rid of clutter, with AKA stress, and as humans that we hold on to. So I find that really interesting. Your point sure. about people are like, let's just get rid of all this space. Why do we have it? Well, and I think it's the one thing that I've been able to do. Um, you know, working with all these people, going through the process with them. I hear over and over, why didn't we do this sooner? But the other thing is, um, I tend now not to hang on to all that stuff. And because I see, 
you know, the stuff that they're just trying to get rid of. So I agree. I tend to, you know, live pretty simply myself anymore. My problem is my three-year-old and uh. grandparents. That's my <laughs> oh, problem. Yeah. I just, <laughs> toys. I, I might as well be Toys R Us. It just, they just keep <laughs> showing up at my house 24-7. It was huh? so funny. She had her birthday and I uh, was blessed to get an invite and I uh, checked on a face, you know, Facebook Live and asked about, you know, toys and what I should get. And when I showed up with the doll that she approved that I get, um, <laughs> I, Angela, she's like, oh my God. And the horse, she's like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was so big. <laughs> <laughs> she's know, literally so. riding it around my house. It was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's your favorite like toys. friend. Yeah, yeah, Tina killed it. So, <laughs> Stephanie, what are people doing with all of their stuff and their personal possessions yeah. when they're trying to downsize? So um, that is one thing I think that is probably one of the most overwhelming steps of the whole thing is what are they going to do with all their stuff? You know, I think we spend so much of our time accumulating things that we love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they get, um, you know, tossed in closets or we're storing them um, and then at the end of our you know time at home we have to spend time energy and money getting rid of all of those things that mm-hmm. we've accumulated so we've um, teamed up with um, we have a couple consultants that we work with that um, are able to um, assess the um, all of their belongings and help them first of all they start and knowing where they're gonna go once they know where they go mm-hmm. um, then they're able to select the things that they're going to keep, um, prioritize, you know, their furniture and, you know, their art or they have special collections or different things like that. Um, And the other thing we see is that their kids don't want all of their, you know, china and silver. (laughs) And so so we're able to do, um, you know, estate sales. And so she takes care of that. And um, then and she's doing a lot with online, too. She really works with the people to try and make it as easy as possible for them yeah. to to get rid of that. But it's still, it's such a hard process for people. And, you know, a lot of times they feel like they need to touch every item and mm-hmm. know what's going, you know, what's going through the, the works. But, um, but our team does a great job of working with them and... Um, you know, trying to work through that process. And then, yeah. yeah, and then they, after the sale, then they also will donate to good causes like Jubilee Reach. Um, we work with them a lot to to get rid of things as well. Yeah, and take, you know, advantage of, I mean, it may not seem like it's the same, but... It, it's close. I mean, do do take advantage of digital, take pictures of things. And, right. you know, you you can have those memories. And really, it's just a connection by seeing something. It doesn't have to be seeing in real, but it can be seen in a picture and digital. And, you know, that, I do a lot of that. Yeah, we actually did that for one client. We um, took a lot of photos of they had done cross stitch of all of these different places. And yeah. it was just really special to them. And we made a photo book of um, just a lot of the memories. Yeah. Um, so that worked out nicely for I'm them. A, I just got in big time into puzzling, and I take pictures oh. of every single puzzle I've completed, and I have no emotional uh, stress to the idea of um, you know, taking that apart because I've got the, yeah. you know, so I want to make sure I don't get Alzheimer's or dementia. <laughs> no, I hear that that's good, puzzling. Yeah, it's going to improve your brain. Yeah. Stephanie, I was curious, where are you seeing people move when they're downsizing these days? Where are these people going? So... Um, a lot of times they're looking to get out of the area. I think the two different things we see are, um, um, you know, I had a client last year, they sold their house in Somerset. Um, and so they were able, um, to sell it right around, um, a million two. Uh, and then they went down to Gig Harbor and for almost half price, I mean, for about 700,000, they were able to buy a fairly comparable home, um, 
you know, with a view and the space that they needed. Um, so getting out of the area, I think, is is um, is a great opportunity. Right now, I was just looking at Scottsdale. Uh, the median price in Scottsdale is just under 500000 So, you know, mm. if you're looking for some sunshine, get yeah. away from, you know, our weather here. Um, so that or also... Um, it's hard, I will say, to, to downsize in price. Um, if you are looking to sell your home and then maybe buy a condo um, kind of in city, that's you're really not downsizing price there as much yeah. as you are just downsizing your square footage and convenience. Yeah. So it's really important, I think, to work with an agent and kind of figure out what's important and why you're moving and you know where are your people, how do you spend your time, um, you know, when you're making that decision. And those HOAs, too, really, right. sure. really yes. expensive. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a shout out on the, the mortgage side. When you're trying to strategize for this, talk and get an idea of your financing because there's so many different creative uh, ways of um, buying first and selling later. And, you know, going through that and seeing what all those options are, I think, is really uh, important. So, Stephanie, how do you plan for all of the different steps involved? Because I would imagine each family that you work with, their steps are completely different to get from A to Z. Exactly. I think it, it depends on so many things. And that's why having a team, you know, a mortgage planner, mm-hmm. your financial planner, um, your real estate agent, um, and, and taking all of those steps together. And it also depends on the market when, um, because sometimes, you know, when I was talking about the Gig Harbor property, we were able to do a contingent loan or a contingent property. So they were able to buy the property contingent on them selling their home, mm-hmm. which isn't always a possibility in some markets. In a seller's market, some of the options we're able to do is sell their home, and then we get, I just had one last week, we sold their home and they have a two-month rent back. So they're able to stay in their house for a couple months while they decide and you know on their final property and they okay. don't have to buy contingent. So having a team that you work with, um, with the different financing options and, and purchase plan is... Yeah, part of it. Yeah, and I mean, there's clients that they have to feel comfortable with the process, but um, you can go in and not have to go contingent um, and utilize the equity that you have in your property. And, you know, but you just have to look at all those numbers and know what option makes most sense for you. Right, Stephanie? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Stephanie, in your experience with your clients um, and kind of all the interactions you have with downsizing, when do you think is the right time for somebody? When when do they make that kind of crucial move, do you notice, uh, when you're dealing with people? I think the the thing to keep in mind is it's never too early to start planning. Um, So it's, you know, the sooner, with that said, I've also been able to meet with people and we had their house on the market um, two weeks later. They were living in it, but they had a a mover um, coming. She was moving it into independent living. And, um, you know, we have a team that comes in, like we talked about last time I was here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're doing the inspection, the staging, the cleaning. We just have our crew that, um, you know, works to provide all that service for them. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, you could do it in as short as two weeks. But honestly, I think really starting as early as possible, even if it's a couple years ahead, Mm -hmm. so that you can take your time to go through your stuff and, and, um, you know, do that at your own pace. And the other thing is the older you get, I think the more exhausting the process is. And you just don't have the energy um, physically and... um, you know, so anyways, I do think starting early, putting together a plan, working mm-hmm. with a team to kind of execute the plan so that you don't feel rushed um, yeah. is early. Or is and good. I, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times when people, they step into that preparation stage, which is the plan, 
once the plan is together, that two years or that three years that they thought they were going to be, now they're doing it in three months because yes. that's really the big yeah. thing. It's the idea that plan is so overwhelming. It's like, okay, we're going to do that in a few years. Then they see the plan. They're like really excited. And through that planning process, you get emotionally connected connected to the outcome of completion of your next journey in life, right? You're absolutely And right. so, yeah, I so agree with yeah. you there. And it gains some momentum in the whole process exactly. and it starts going along really smoothly. So, yes. yes, it's fun to be a part of that. Yeah. So, Stephanie, last question uh, that we have for you before we go to our commercial break is whatever, what other financial considerations when you're thinking of downsizing is going to be important? Sure. So I think really kind of first knowing where you want to go, what the cost of place is there, you know, for your replacement property is going to be, um, figuring out what the market value of your current home is, and then also keeping in mind the costs involved with that. So um, for a lot of people, it's going to be capital gains. Um, but if you're able to downsize in price, um, then, you know, you do have a lower uh, overhead for people. So anyways, we take a look at all of that when we are um, putting together the plan. Love that. Stephanie, thank you so much for yeah. coming in and, and for sharing your uh, passion behind helping uh, people look at the downsizing, pro Perfect. downsizing process. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome, Stephanie. And coming up next on The Money Hour, how to succeed as a seller in a cur the current market. Michael Pollock of Northwest Premier Brokers right here at 1150 AM, KKNW, after the short break. Does the Seattle area real estate market scare you as a buyer? Are you looking to sell your home but not sure how to maximize your home's potential? You need an industry veteran with years of experience at your side to guide you from start to finish and help you achieve your goals. Michael Pollock with Northwest Premier Brokers is the resource that many Seattle area buyers and sellers have utilized to make their real estate dreams happen in this unique and challenging market. Hi, this is Michael Pollock. I'd welcome the opportunity to meet with you and learn about your real estate needs and discuss how Northwest Premier Brokers can assist you in accomplishing all of your goals. Visit me at nwpremierbrokers.com or call me direct at 206-399-1345 today. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 27th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with our guest and any suggested guests that you may have for a future show. Please feel free to call the show at one 855 411150 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, we have Michael Pollock of Northwest Premier Brokers and how to succeed as a seller in the current market. Michael, second time in studio. Very excited <laughs> to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me again, Tina. I appreciate it. 
and a little bit about Michael. Michael Pollock is managing broker and owner of Northwest Premier Brokers. Ian has been in the real estate and mortgage business for over 14 years. In addition to being a real estate broker, Michael is also a licensed loan originator, providing him a unique perspective on the entire industry. Although he focuses on the metro area, Michael has assisted clients with home sales and purchases throughout Western Washington. It is Michael's passion to provide all of his clients, no matter their needs, goals, or property type, with superior representation, information, and expertise, and to make their real estate transaction a success from start to finish. He believes that being a successful real estate professional requires having a a real relationship with his clients and treating them like family. That's why we've invited him here to our family at the Money Hour. So, Michael, I'd be curious to get your feedback. We've heard, uh, I don't want to call it confusion, but mixed reviews a little bit about what's kind of happening in the market and the season that we're in. Could you give us some feedback? What do you see that's happening currently in Seattle in the market? Sure. That's a great question to be asking right now, especially as we came out of a real transition in 2018. There was a lot of concern coming into 2019, what we would see. And with the cold weather that we had in January and February, it really depressed sales and activity and it uh, greatly affected the market but we saw a huge rebound in march with the most new listings coming on the market since all the way back in august of 2018 and uh, pending sales also went up dramatically as well Uh, got numbers that were just as high as back in july of 2018 so that was great to see the market really rebound Mm -hmm. that was primarily due to pent-up activity from those winter holiday months and then the weather and then also the reduction in mortgage rates, which as you guys yes. know, you know, yeah. we saw some rates that were, mm-hmm. you know, some of the lowest that had been in a while, lower than we had throughout most of 2018. So mm-hmm. I think that actually made a difference as well. Um, so we're, we're starting to see the start of the typical spring bounce that we see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that March really indicated, okay, you know, here we're going to get going again for another good spring. And we are seeing a little bit of difference though between what we had going on last spring to this spring. You know, part of that is that, you know, we're starting off with inventory that's substantially higher than what we were at last spring. You know, yes. right now, King County's got about two months of inventory, which puts it pretty close to the balanced market, you know, which is considered to be two to four months. Mm-hmm. So that's different than where we were at a year ago when it was substantially so lower than different. that, you know, much, Crazy. you know, half of yeah. that amount of <laughs> yeah. inventory. Uh-huh. So that, that's going to change things both from a seller's perspective as well as a buyer's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, but the one thing that we are seeing is that the popular core neighborhoods in Seattle are still continuing to have really good market activity. You know, there's properties that are coming on the market, they're priced attractively, and they're selling in the first week on market in some cases with, you know, contingencies waived. So, yes. you know, there's still that desirability for those properties. And, and because we do not have an oversupply of inventory at this point. Mm -hmm. The buyers who are in the market are seeing these properties that are really attractive and they're going after them right away. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a good thing that we want to see. We're getting to more of a healthy overall market for both buyers and sellers, which yeah. makes it a little bit easier for everybody to function in. It is. And I think the um, if you want to look at something, I mean, there's always an opportunity and a challenge and everything. But the challenge right now is just people understanding what's going on. And because, you know, you just like you said, you can have one area 
um, is completely different than another area. And so you've got multiple offers and waiving finance contingency and some of that crazy stuff that was happening when that was happening everywhere and other homes that are taking longer to sell and they've got one offer coming in. So it's a little bit more difficult. And that's why it's even more important that you have an expert real estate uh, professional that can kind of help you navigate through that process. So, Michael, uh, what else have you seen changed in the Seattle market since uh, earlier this year in 2018? You know, really what we're seeing is that some of the areas along the I-5 corridor, you know, Snohomish County, Pierce County are really where the highest levels of activity and the lowest amount of supply is right now. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes back to the affordability question. You know, part of the reason why there was a little bit of a slowdown in the Seattle market last year, particularly the city of Seattle, is just because the price points reached a a point that people kind of held back Mm -hmm. a little bit. The inventory exploded at the same time. And people just kind of said, well, you know what? When you couple the prices along with the traffic and everything you have to deal with in the city of Seattle, maybe I'm better off looking outside of town. So we saw the dramatic increase in the activity levels along the I-5 corridor. And that's really kind of definitely showing up again in this spring. You know, there in Pierce County, you've got about one month of inventory going on right now. So that's that's what's really kind of changed. And we're going to see that expected coming into this whole spring. We should likely get an increase in new listings, but also an increase in the pending activity and the amount of uh, buyers that are out there in the market. So I really think that 2019 is going to be indicative of where we go for the next couple of years because we've kind of come out of this real seller's market into a more balanced market. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if that maintains that way coming into 2019 as we are hoping it does. That's interesting you say that because I've seen that as well. I, it seems like everybody's choosing to go north because, right, you go north, east, south, or west of the lake. And right now it seems like north, that little triangle there, the Briar, Shoreline, Linwood, Bothell, even Bothell, yeah. all that area. Oh, yeah, Bothell's hot. Blowing up right now. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, it's not to say it hasn't been for the past couple of years. It's just now it's really doing yes. so because people are looking at it and saying, well, I can commute a little ways and what I can get for my money is substantially better than I can get inside the city of Seattle or Bellevue. or And then all the improvements they're doing in Bothell, too. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know. And uh, Bellevue's blowing up, too, between Facebook and REI and, you know, Amazon, all these companies mm-hmm. that are coming over here. And people are just choosing to make longer commutes. I can't believe some of the commutes that uh, some of my clients are just like, no big deal. I'll drive an hour. And I'm just like, wow, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. You know, to each their own. Mine are willing to walk two steps, and that's about (laughs) it. Yeah, I've I've got got both friends and clients that are willing to take the train every day, you know, commuting an hour, hour and a half Mm -hmm. to be able to have the opportunity to own, say, a new construction property Mm -hmm. that's maybe priced in the fives and sixes versus the... One million range. Yeah, and, and if mean, you could do that, I mean, what an actually beautiful thing because you have to work, you're doing things on your laptop, so why not have the first hour and a half of your day on the train? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I would do it. I'm just in and out so much I can't. And how beautiful is Seattle? Like those outside areas, you don't feel like you're anywhere near a city and all of a sudden you're shooting into this huge metropolis, right? Mm. Um, and there's just a great feeling, all the green and the, you know, that feeling you get outside in some of those areas is really neat. Yeah, it's really fun for me when I have new clients coming in from out of town that haven't already lived here and showing them around town. And then when you get outside of the city and showing them what they can get or what the environment is like yeah. in these communities outside of the city, yeah, how quickly you can be into 
to areas that are, you know, much more green space than what you would get inside the downtown core. Yeah. So if you're right in Seattle, what are the hottest spots right now? So the hottest spots in Seattle continue to be the high popularity neighborhoods, Queen Anne, Green Lake, Finney Mm -hmm. Ridge, these areas that are going to be also close to uh, commuting and transit options as well. Mm. But these are the areas that historically have always been high popularity. Now, over the years, things have kind of changed and evolved, and new areas have been added in, such as Ballard, which, you know, go back maybe 10 years, Ballard was not a high popularity area. Now, Mm. it's one of the most popular areas. Part of it is because there's been so much growth there and, you know, new restaurants, shops, and things to do Mm. there. But that's that's something that's going to continue to evolve over time is other areas will come into play as being high popularity areas while the traditional ones still maintain their status. It's kind of freaking me out to see this uh, transit come to flourishing, too. You're actually seeing it, like, up in Northgate, like, this huge, and, and, the, and the 90 floating bridge. Like, you know, it's always this idea that float around forever, but you're really seeing it, it come to, to, to a point now that it's going to happen. So um, what about the expectations for the market in Seattle as we get kind of closer and into spring? What are your thoughts there? Well, we're expecting that, you know, as long as interest rates don't spike up, you know, the market should continue to improve overall for everybody, that we're going to see a slower gain in prices, primarily of the due to the fact that the inventory has reached this new point that it was at, and that's going to allow us to be a better market for everybody to be both a buyer and a seller in Mm -hmm. is that you as a buyer may not have as much competition that you're facing. Mm -hmm. You as a seller can do things that you probably couldn't have done in the last couple of years, such as go out and make a contingent offer, which, you know, nobody could have even really gotten away with one of those over the past couple of years. So really that's, that's the expectation and hope as we enter the next you know, 2019, that things are going to open up for both parties. So uh, for the sellers that are listening to the show today, uh, what advice do you have for them, Michael? So really your first step is, you know, determine what your goals are. And, you know, if you're considering selling, you know, sit down, talk with your spouse if you have one, and figure out what it is that your desires are. Then set up a time to meet with a real estate broker to discuss Mm -hmm. that and figure out what their professional input would be about how to achieve those goals. You know, like I said, with this balanced market, it's going to present a good opportunity to be both a seller and a buyer in. So that's really going to provide you with some opportunities that didn't exist in the last couple of years. And I'm seeing that with some of my clients that I've been working with and in contact with for a couple of years, but they weren't ready to list because of that, that they said, you know what, we can't go out and try and make an offer on a home because, you know, what there are, we are no do? homes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we can't make a contingent offer on a place. So yeah. why why do we even bother? And exactly. you know, some of those people are actually they're actively out now looking yes. at properties with me. So that's that's a welcome change. Yeah. Um, you know, really, the first step is sitting down and creating those goals, meeting with a broker to go over them, and also looking at market analysis for your property. You know, a lot of times sellers will just quickly take a look online and get some automated number for their property, and it, really that's as we know quite inaccurate. So it's mm-hmm. important to sit down with a professional who can evaluate all the aspects, you know, what's sold recently nearby you, but also if you were to enter the market, what potential competition would you face? Mm-hmm. Now, that's the other piece of the valuation puzzle is not just looking at what's sold, but where you would come in in the market if you did come on the market. So, Michael, um, specifically, what's critical for sellers to, to uh, sellers need to know in order to be successful in the market? Really, to be successful in this current market, you have to get together a comprehensive and specific marketing plan for your property that's 
designed by the professional, and you couple that with a focus on what I call the three P's of real estate. Those three P's are price, photos, and product. Mm -hmm. Nice. So price, having an effective and smart list price is essential. You know, we're no longer in a market that allows sellers just to, you know, test the upper limits and see what happens. That's just being rejected by buyers. If your if your list price is effective, you're going to see it with the activity you get. You're going to see it with getting offers in the first week or two on market. So the second P, photos. You know, having high-quality professional f- photographs of your home is and essential. We know that 90% of buyers start their searching online. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that they're looking through is mm-hmm. those photos. And all too often I see photos online that are obviously done on somebody's phone that doesn't have a good quality photo and it, it doesn't help the property out at all. It doesn't show off everything it can. So it's essential that any broker you're working with has a professional photographer that they utilize to get photos that will show your home in the best light because really that's that's the decision maker for a lot of people they're going to go click through 20 photos and decide whether or not they're interested or not Mm -hmm. to go look at the property in person Mm -hmm. and they may stop right there you could have a great price but if photos aren't helping you then you know you've missed out on one of those things that you need to have so the third thing the third p is having an attractive product is Mm -hmm. also essential in this market you know with the higher inventory that we now have the buyers have become more selective so they're going to only really go after properties that have attractive elements to them. Mm-hmm. And that could mean they're in an attractive neighborhood or a high-value neighborhood, or it could mean that it's got a, an updated design. It could have a open-concept layout, a big backyard. There's got to be some element of the product itself that's going to and shine, bring in the buyer mm-hmm. and attract them to the property. Yeah. So the marketing plan needs to focus on that. It needs to have the photos, and it needs to have an effective list price. If you don't have all three of these combined together, you can spend as much as you want on advertising, marketing dollars, and it's still not going to matter because those things are really what makes a difference in a property sale. Yeah, and, you know, such great advice. I mean, whether you're uh, working with your agent on the buy side or the sell side, we've got, you know, two amazing, awesome real estate agents in studio today. And um, you need to have that expert advice to help you strategize around either uh, side of that process. So, Michael, thank you so much for coming back in studio. It was great to have you here. Thank you for having me again, Tina. Coming up next to the money are real estate contract breaches and earnest money disputes. We have Hamilton Gardner of Homequest Gardner PLLC right here at 1150 AM. KKNW after the short break. Does the Seattle area real estate market scare you as a buyer? Are you looking to sell your home but not sure how to maximize your home's potential? You need an industry veteran with years of experience at your side to guide you from start to finish and help you achieve your goals. Michael Pollock with Northwest Premier Brokers is the resource that many Seattle area buyers and sellers have utilized to make their real estate dreams happen in this unique and challenging market. Hi, this is Michael Pollock. I'd welcome the opportunity to meet with you and learn about your real estate needs and discuss how Northwest Premier Brokers can assist you in accomplishing all of your goals. Visit me at nwpremierbrokers.com or call me direct at 206-399-1345 today. As the process of buying and selling real estate becomes increasingly complex, it's important to have a trusted advisor you can rely on. With over 30 years of experience, Stephanie Kristen of Windermere Real Estate consistently uses systems that deliver results. 
By collaborating with her team of professionals, Stephanie makes the daunting task of buying or selling a home more manageable and worry-free. Her passion for service combined with market knowledge has resulted in hundreds of delighted clients. Hi, this is Stephanie Kristen with Windermere Real Estate. There's a lot of information online today, but how you interpret that information is critical. I help buyers and sellers every day make sense of all that data. I'd love to connect with you and help you reach your goals. Check out my website, sheknowsrealestate.com, or give me a call at 206-200-0222. Thanks so much, and I look forward to talking to you soon. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money on 1150 AM KKNW at the Saturday, April 27th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Bringing in each week the best of the best in every area regarding your financing to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions and connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And in studio, first time in studio, we have Hamilton Gardner of HomeQuest and Gardner PLLC. Real estate contract breaches and earnest money disputes. And I know we've got our real estate experts in here. So this is going to be a great uh, conversation for them to listen into as well. Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Thanks for having me. And a little bit about Hamilton. Uh, He is the founding partner of Holmquist and Gartner PLLC. The firm is celebrating its 10th year in business during the last decade. Plus, Hamilton has acted as legal counsel for many commercial, residential, and multifamily property owners in the greater Seattle area. He handles all aspects of real estate transactions, as well as litigation and evictions when disputes arise. His primary goal is to be a value-added partner and trusted advisor to his clients. Nothing gets Hamilton more excited than to see his clients succeed and to know he was able to have a positive impact on their business. Hamilton, super excited to have you in studio. We have a mutual friend. I got to give a shout out to Darren and of course, Carly's wife. Uh, Hi, Darren. Hi, Carly. Hi, Darren. Hi, Carly. Hi, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I met you and I've used you personally. Uh, You're a great wealth of knowledge and it's a privilege to have you on the show. Um, let's talk about real estate contract breaches. What, uh, what the heck is a real estate contract breach? Tell Sounds us about bad. it. Yeah, that's a, it's a big kind of question. And, uh, and for purposes of this show, I'm really focusing on like the residential side. Okay. Because breaches can happen in a commercial context and a residential context, of course. And, and generally speaking, what that means is that somebody didn't follow the contract. Now, in the residential context, uh, that can happen where somebody didn't put earnest money down, uh, they fa- failed to make agreed-upon fixes, they didn't clear items from title, um, they failed to satisfy any sort of uh, contingencies, or you know something that I saw a lot of, particularly the last couple of years, is people making allegations of misrepresentations as to the, con- the condition of yeah. the property. Interesting. Uh, and so, I, you know, there could be um, issues with the contingencies in that process as well with all the, you know, crazy stuff that um, uh, that was going on. So what happens after a breach occurs, Hamilton? So um, 
what happens after the breach? It, it actually depends on like when the breach occurred. Are, are you know are you in contract? Have you closed the sale? Um, are you in a contingency period? And and what really what was the breach? You know, one thing that uh, people try and do is they like how can we move forward with the contract? Mm-hmm. Or if you can't move forward the contract what are you going to do? So what happens after the breach uh, occurs, really you should be talking to your broker or depending on what the breach is, you should talk to a legal attorney. Yeah, which a lot of times that's what the broker is going to do is they're going to pick up their their phone and call the attorney to find out how to proceed forward. Call Hamilton, people. Call Hamilton. Exactly. Give me a call. (laughs) I get those calls. And and one of the things I tell a lot of my uh, broker friends and colleagues is that, you know, a five-minute call with me is going to save a lot of time, money, and stress down the road. So call me anytime. Yeah, and, you know, just speaking of it, while I'm thinking about it, we definitely need to get you in for our Power Hour Lunch and Learn in front of our real estate professionals. Um, You know, we educate them on a monthly basis, and, you know, I think that would be awesome. Would love to, to do it. Yeah. So speaking of, you mentioned uh, moving forward with a contract. Can you, I mean, if there's a breach, can can you still move forward typically or? Yeah. And, and this is uh, something that is very common in the residential context is that there's been a breach. Let's say you're still three weeks away from closing. Can you still move forward? forward? You absolutely can, but you're going to have to agree with the other side. I see. You know, whether you're on the buying side or you're on the selling side, you're going to have to come up with an agreement on how you're going to move forward. Are you going to be able to cure that breach? Are you going to be able to fix the issue that's come up between the buyer and the seller? And ultimately, you're going to have to come up with a compromise to mm-hmm. move forward. You know, if you're the one that was the the person that, that breached, you're probably going to have to do something for the non-breaching party. You know, if the buyer breached, you know, maybe the buyer's going to put down some more earnest money. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, how are you going to make this right, right? Yeah, how are <laughs> yes. you going to make this? How are you going to make this right? Yeah. You know, and the same thing with this with the seller. You know, if the seller breached the contract, but the seller still wants to move forward, what are you going to do for the buyer? Yes, yeah. So, what about um, for either parties if they do not want to move forward with the contract? So that's a that's a tricky qu- question, and it's mm-hmm. a tricky position that people can get put put themselves into yeah. if they don't want to move forward. And sometimes, you know, there'll be a dispute between the seller and the buyer where they just don't like each other for uh-huh. whatever reason. They de- they've decided that they don't want to move forward with this contract. Now, if you're on the um, selling side and you said, you know what, I don't want to move forward and the price has actually increased over the last month that I've been under contract and maybe I can get a better price. You know, if they weren't the breaching party and they said, hey, I want to, I want to be out of this thing, you, you really run the risk of is the buyer going to proceed with a specific performance lawsuit and yes. say, no, 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 I'm not going to let you out of this contract. You breached it. I uh, I want to force you to sell this property to me. Yes. Or if you're on the, uh, uh, if the buyer just walks away and you can't, um, you, if you can't find them, mm-hmm. then is it the question, Did are they going to give up the earnest money? Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, who gets the earnest money at the end of the day? How does that work out? So that, <laughs> that, that is a, uh, an interesting and, and mo- a very common question that comes up is who's going to get the earnest money? Well, it depends on who breached the contract, mm-hmm. you know, and if the, if the buyer breached the contract and the seller is unwilling to proceed with the, the transaction, then the seller could keep the earnest money. Yeah. So how does that in work? And we're coming out of just, again, a, just a crazy market with the, uh, the lack of inventory, which now we're getting uh, more into a balanced market. But like when a buyer waives their finance contingency and basically says this $50,000 earnest money goes to you if I, if anything goes wrong. Well, if the sellers breach the contract, 
then their earnest money would still be protected in that scenario. Would that be correct? Yeah. And uh, one thing that I it would be still pr- protected in that situation. And what I've seen there is that a, a lot of potential clients will call me up and say, oh, yeah, well, the seller breached the contract. And this is a, to- a very simple issue. And it's really clear that they breached the contract. But I actually find that that's re- uncommon. No. Yes. You know, s- there w- there's a question on the timing of, you know, did they submit this form by this date yeah. or did they waive mm-hmm. the contingency by this date? Mm-hmm. And it's always it's not always that clear. Yeah. So if the seller breached, then that could be the case that the that the buyer is going to get the earnest money back if they don't want to proceed with the contract. Yeah. Hence another reason you got to talk to Hamilton because only lawyers yeah. think about all those details. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might have a lawyer with a speeding ticket and he shocked me. I thought it was real simple. But all the things that you can do when you have great representation to help your, your situation. Right? And it's, it's needed. It, it's absolutely needed, especially if there's $50,000 out there. Yeah. I mean, you want to make sure that you're making the right decisions to either receive the earnest money back or if you're the, the seller to make sure that you're able to collect it in the, yes. in the event the buyer does breach that contract. Yes. Yeah, speeding ticket's not a good comparison. We're talking about a lot of money guy? in real estate here. <laughs> you call my guy on that speeding ticket? I did. Yeah, thanks, I Dennis. Did. He's going to hook it up. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. He Oops. will. Uh, anyways, uh, so what happens for with an escrow company? Let's say like nobody can decide, you know, the selling and the buying parties aren't agreeing. Um, and the escrow companies in the middle, what typically happens in those scenarios? So one thing to keep in mind is the the escrow company doesn't have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. They're the neutral party. They're the one that is supposed to close the transaction. They're supposed to compile all the documents, get signatures, hold on to the earnest money, and then transfer funds at the at closing. So if some, if there's been a breach and the buyer and the seller can't agree, then the escrow company is going to interplead those funds into the court registry. So they're going to wait a while, you know, maybe it'll be a week, maybe it'll be a couple weeks, might even be a month. I've seen that it go that long. And then they're just going to give the money to uh, the court registry, and then they're going to let the buyer and seller hash it out. So what about how, how long that um, that impl- you well, you said that was months or so that that could take? Well, yeah, after the breach has been alleged by uh-huh. either side, the or the escrow company may take, you know, a week, a couple weeks to put the money into the court registry. And then from there, it's going to be up to the parties to decide how long this is going to take to resolve itself. Yeah. And I just, while we're on escrow here, really want to, you know, say escrows, you've got to remember that they are not attorneys. So they're not giving any legal advice on anything. They're just trying to make sure and, but mistakes can happen um, in uh, reading that contract and understanding they're representing a contract as that third party. You know, so not to get confused what escrow is. Escrow doesn't represent either side. Yes. Either. They're not going to give legal advice. They don't yep. represent either side. And if there is a dispute, they're just going to deposit it in, into the court. And, yes. and they are able to, under their contract that both the buyer and seller have signed off on. Yeah. So what happens after, specifically after escrow deposits the escrow funds with the court? What's the next step? Well, at that point in time, the buyer and seller have got themselves a lawsuit on their hands, mm-hmm. you know, and at that point, you really want to hire an attorney. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it where one side hires an attorney, and I've been on that one side where they, they hired me, and the other side didn't hire an attorney, and that, that usually does not go well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be able to get the funds out there, uh, out of the court registry without hiring an attorney. I mean, uh, not to say that it's impossible, but it's very, very, very unlikely. Makes sense. So, Hamilton, as we wrap up our time here with you, um, just general advice if someone is listening to the show today and gets into an earnest money dispute. So, if you are in an earnest money dispute, my 
number one piece of advice is to uh, come up with an agreement with the other side, make a compromise, and nine times out of ten, it's going to be split the earnest money. You know, it, somebody wants to be 100% right, nobody ever is. Yes. So, you know, come up with an agreement on who's going to take what, um, whether it's going to be 50-50, 75-25, split the earnest money, take it, and walk away. Instead of going through all of the additional uh, cost and stress and emotional pain attached to not coming to an agreement, yes? That's right. You know, yeah. even just if you're going to get into any earnest money dispute, I mean, at a minimum, it's probably going to cost you $2,500 in attorney's fees, but it could yes. be well over 50000 depending on how much you want to fight. And yeah. some people really want to fight. So sure. <laughs> come up with an agreement and split the earnest money and just move on. Yeah. Well, Hamilton, thank you so much. And for those of you that don't want to fight, Hamilton here is here to represent and help you through that process. So Hamilton, thank you so much. I'm really excited to have you back in studio. It's been a while since we've uh, had your space represented here, so I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. And this is your host, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Make it a great weekend. We'll be here next week, same time, same place, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.